Giants fans, and welcome back to the newest episode of Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Thank you so much for tuning in and coming back to us. It was a rough week. Uh, you know, I don't know about you guys. I'm a Patriots fan, so I had UCF loss. I went to that game. It was miserable, as you heard in my rant last episode. Then I went to Miami to watch the Patriots game, and that was also miserable. Uh, less of a drive, obviously, to go to UCF, but uh, that was my weekend, and I've had a couple days to decompress after both of those losses, but for this podcast, UCF specifically, I have really thought about the team, thought about things moving forward, but... You know, it's kind of weird. We we had Nick and Rob on for the first episode, and then it, it always seems like whenever we record, one person's got something, the next person. So Nick Geddes is back with me, joining me. He didn't get to give his thoughts. Now, he was at the game. He was sitting five rows below us. We got to look at his head and see him shake his head every single bad, th- uh, bad throw, bad play UCF made. Nick, we are we did move on. Right, we moved on from the game, but you didn't get to give your thoughts. I would ask after many days that you be a little bit kind. I went in, I, I said my rant, but I want you to say your thoughts before we move on from the game and move on to FAU. So I will give you the floor to go in. I guess I don't. Well, first of all, I don't know what is kind that you want me to say about the game. I, I can't find a single positive, and, and don't give me the defensive performance. Don't give me that. They gave over four over 400 yards. They bend, not break, whatever. This offense looked so broken. I think, and if I break down this UCF era to 2016, when I think UCF found this whole fast identity, whatever. In that time frame, show me a worse offensive performance, at least at home. That UCF has ever put up. Show me one. Last 10 drives last of the game. Last year's USF game, probably. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. But this, to me, when you don't win the game, it's worse. But the final 10, the final 10 drives of the game, I mean, seven turnovers on downs, a punt, an interception. I mean, it's, it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. Three quarters of sitting in the stands was brutal. Um, it was a good thing they were serving alcohol. I, I did enjoy that. I took advantage of that, might I add. Um, but yeah, I, I did not find a single glaring positive to come out of that game offensively. I told you last week, when you have 10 pl- penalties or plus against a, even an average team, decent team, it's going to bite you in the ass. And it did. It did. 11 penalties. The offensive line is a complete work in progress. They got absolutely worked in that game. And then our quarterback, John Rice Plumley, his deficiencies as a thrower showed they yeah. showed. I mean, there were something. I think the game was there for the taking for UCF, obviously, and for John Rice Plumley, but he couldn't make a throw. He couldn't read the defense well. There were so many times where he had chances to run. You touched on it a little bit. He ran a lot, but nothing really impactful. It was just runnings for running's sake. And then when he had opportunities to run, I thought, especially later in the game, when they were trying to protect against the pass, Louisville, he missed those lanes and then tried to force passes, and he almost threw a few picks. I mean, just a brutal performance by John Rice Plumley. I'm at the point. Listen, I'm not tied to any quarterback early in the season. If we, <laughs> I'm not tied to any quarterback this early in the season. It was that bad of a performance at home. It was that bad of a performance at home for me to look at Gus Malzahn 
to look at John Rice Plumley and go, is he still the guy? Because, I mean, the UCF offense cannot operate like that and expect yeah. to get to their goals. And their goals coming in, by the way, Gus Malzahn said it. I didn't say it. These weren't my goals. These were his goals. We want to be the Cincinnati of last year. Okay, well, that's over with. And now it's about winning the American, and we'll touch on that a little bit. But yeah. you ain't doing anything when you're scoring 14 points against a middling ACC team. So very disappointing, very discouraging. And honestly, I'm not, I don't think I'm overreacting. I look at this team a little bit differently today than I did you know, leading up to game day on Friday. I think that's every UCF fan. Like I, Again, we talk about UCF early on in the season, and you have high hopes. You have a great team. And then once you get hit in the mouth, you look at the team different. I mean, I think we can all look at Louisville and say UCF should have beat that team by three touchdowns. We had ample opportunities. You had two touchdowns called back from penalties. You had two opportunities at the end of the game to go win it uh, in Louisville territory, and you didn't do it. So we went into all that. I do want to play one Gus clip. Gus talked with the media earlier today. We've got a couple of those sound bites. Um, one of them was something that I think the offense was just so bad that I didn't even notice, and I think that's that's on me. I didn't even notice something. But let's play this Gus clip um, and just hear this. Differently, it was a tough blow from the standpoint that we lost, you know, O'Keefe, you know, in the first half right there, and we didn't have Kobe Upson uh, already going in the game. So that was a little bit of a challenge, and they dared us to, to do some things. But uh, – it will be better next time in that situation. And probably the biggest take when I look at the thing is just the, the penalties and uh, kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. And of course, that falls on me as a coach. I got to get it corrected because last week I stood up here and said that our penalties were going to get corrected. And it didn't happen. So, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to continue to to work on that, and uh, we have to improve. So, we hear that from Gus. I didn't even notice. Now, maybe it was just my seat in the stands, Nick, but I didn't even notice that O'Keefe was out the second half. Maybe that was just me. I didn't notice O'Keefe was out. And we talked about it, me and Rob were talking about it early, uh, last episode, how Kobe Hudson kind of, we just were like, where is Kobe Hudson? I mean, we were assuming that he was going to be a focal point in the offense. He clearly was hurt. So that was the reasoning for that. My only gripe with that situation is yes. Clearly, that kind of derailed the offense. That was kind of the focal point as to why some of those play calls were getting made was when you lose two of your top receivers, that kind of changes things. My only gripe with that, and I think you would agree with me, is we all talked about how deep this team is and how deep this offense is and how if one guy gets hurt, you have those backups. So I get it. You, you have two guys get hurt. They should have had, you still should have been able to throw the ball around the field if you wanted to. That's why I still think the game plan, you had that one drive where you got the two pass interference calls, but at the heart of it, you, you weren't wanting to throw the football. You were running the football every other play. And, and honestly, though, you got to adjust as a head coach. And I, I think, you know, the standout for me offensively to the first two games has actually been Johnny Richardson. And I, oh, it's yeah. shocking. It's shocking how low the usage is for him. I mean, in that game where you're not doing jack offensively, seven touches. You mean to tell me that of all the plays we ran, and we ran almost 60, we ran over 60 plays here, 
seven touches for the most electric player on the field for either side. I'm sorry. It's a little inexcusable for me. The power running game with Isaiah Bauer, it just, it just wasn't working. It just was not working. The off- this, this offensive line is not the same run-blocking unit they were the year prior and the year they were before that and, and so on. This is not that type of unit. And I think Johnny Richardson's speed and space would have helped so much because when he had the ball, he touched it seven times and he had over 70 yards. Yeah, and he had the one. He had the long touchdown, which got called back, and we could debate those penalties till the cows come home if it was a penalty or not. Whatever it happened, that to me was shocking. And, and again, that falls on coaching, in my opinion. Get your best players out on the field. You got to adjust, and they did not. And Gus, like I think Gus saw it because Gus after the game says we got to get Johnny the ball more. I mean that's on, and that is on Gus. He even said it like he is so electric. He, the things he can do with the ball is amazing so yeah I think it's apparent and I think hopefully this weekend we will see him on the field more because until this offensive line figures it out this power run game is not going to work last year it worked you had an offensive line that played together unfortunately this year this is where the transfer portal can bring some issues right you're bringing in two offensive linemen two or three offensive linemen to now start and you've got to get that whole unit moving just as good as last year. That's almost impossible. You see that in the NFL when you have a total shift of the offensive line. If you replace even one guy, that can ruin your whole offensive line. So I think switching the power run game to maybe more of that elusive back, you know, using Johnny more, and stop just throwing the lateral passes every two seconds. Hopefully, we've learned from that aspect. Um... I want to really quickly play another soundbite. Gus talking about positives. I know you didn't see any positives. So let's see what Gus sees as some positives moving forward. Because we're going to throw this Louisville game away. I mean, we need at this point, it's not a conference game. The American, every team has lost that is as important. I mean, like, and it's not a conference game. These are out-of-conference games. I think we were talking about scheduling or uh, rankings a couple episodes ago. That's thrown out the window. We don't care. Like, you, if you're UCF, you cannot give two craps about if UCF is even going to get mentioned by anybody. Because at this point, you lost week two. Nobody's going to talk about you. But here's Gus on some of the positives uh, from the game against Louisville. I, I thought our guys played hard. I think that's the, the biggest takeaway. I thought we played hard. Um, you know, defensively, we did some really good things. You know, they got loose on us a couple of times, but he's a phenomenal player. Um, you know, special teams, we're going to clean a couple things up that I think will really help. You know, obviously, we got to get better play out of our punter, better play out of our kicker, and all that. And uh, but our return game, I think we're close. Um, you know, just some big plays. We're not. How can we're I not get, We're not getting into it. We're not getting into it. I've said my piece. You, you hold up. I hold think up, you agree quick. with me. Real quick, did you yeah. did you ever did you see the Twitter account called Ditto Barsky Miss today? <laughs> We're there's not getting into ac- it. Nick. There's there's a Twitter account that's literally called Ditto Barsky Miss today, and I popped huge sitting in my seat when just a one little word. Yes, yes, he did. But yeah, we don't yeah. need to go down that rabbit hole. We know. I the issues. think it's safe. It is safe to say that the kicking competition is open. I think, uh, and Gus even said it. There's going to be competition. I mean, punting was off. 
was a little the first punt was bad. The rest of the punts were good. The yeah. kicking and and real quick, if I may, you know, value Gus said off the top, you know, we played hard. You know, I I, I understand it's coach speak, but I I don't frankly I don't care that you played hard. I I really don't. I I, I of course you played hard. Yeah. Do your job. Do your job. And Look I mean, I think on that field, UCF, I think objectively probably had more talent on that field than Louisville. Do you a, a million percent? I mean, a million percent. Like, and that's the. I think that's what's the frustrating thing for both of us and for all UCF fans is talent-wise, tenfold. I mean, again, so many opportunities, so many missed opportunities. But this team can get better. They are good enough. If anything, I know there's so many question marks with the offense, the defense. I looked up this stat today. Now, I get it. It's games against SC State in Louisville. So we're not going to get too high, right? Because we're about to talk about FAU, and FAU's offense is ranked ninth in the country. And who have they played? Charlotte, Ohio, Southeastern Louisiana. So we're not going to get too high on these rankings early on. But UCF's defense is ranked 20th in all of college football right now. So looking at it that way, those are positives. That is a positive to take away. The defense, they allowed a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. In total defense-wise, they're a solid group. So I think that is something that we can you know, look forward, look ahead, and say, okay, we're moving on from Louisville. Let's figure out these offensive woes. Let's figure out what's wrong and move forward. I think John Rice... The problem that, like, and I said, like, it's not all on John Rice. Does John Rice need to play better? Absolutely. Does he need to kind of figure out as the season goes along how to be in that pocket and when to run and when to throw? Absolutely. That was one of the big issues. But you said it. That offensive line needs a ton of work. There were a lot of play breakdowns that we easily saw. And guess what? Offensive line was mainly the reasons, or was the reasons, for a lot of those plays getting called back from the touchdowns. So, it's not all on John Rice, but I think John Rice would be the first to tell you he needs to get better. He needs to improve. Going into FAU. Um, here's what Gus said on facing FAU, um, who's been offensively killing it lately. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's a little bit different because it's a different scheme uh, offensively uh, with what they do. But they've been real successful. I mean, they're what ninth in the, the country in total offense right now, and twelfth in the country in third down conversions. They're doing a lot of different things. They're running the ball extremely well, and they're throwing extremely well. So they play fast, and uh, so it'll be different than it was last week. Yeah. So third down is the kind of thing that I look at. That's a big test for the defense. 12th in the country on third down conversions. That's excellent. Uh, FAU, obviously Willie Taggart, head coach, really improved uh, over the last couple of years. I mean, they're a good football team. I think, again, coming from Louisville, this is a, I think we would say a trap game because you would think you know UCF is favored by a million points and they're the better team, and I think we would both agree that. But also... FAU's offense is electric. I mean, Nikozi Perry went to Miami. He was there for three years, you know, played 24 games, uh, nine starts. So this is no, you know, quarterback coming off the street that they that FAU signed, which I think we would both agree that previous FAU quarterbacks were not as talented uh, as Nikozi Perry. A lot of their quarterbacks were mid. I think we can all agree with that. But... Um, 
transferred to FAU in uh, last year, and he's been on a tear the last three games. I mean, they did lose to Ohio, but in that game, he threw for 364 yards and five touchdowns. So he's an electric quarterback, and you're coming from a game against Malik Cunningham, who, again, kind of not saying he carved up the defense, but the defense allowed a lot of yards, just not a lot of points, and they held them. They held Louisville when, you know, they were in the red zone. So what do you see out of Nikozi Perry, and what does this defense need to do this week to kind of hinder him? He hasn't run the ball good this season either. You know, first game was five carries for seven yards. Second game was eight carries for 32 yards. So hasn't been much of a run threat. But what do you see out of Nikozi Perry in this FAU offense? Oh, I still think he is a threat to run, though. I mean, he hasn't done it as much in the first two games, but you know, or the first three games, whatever. But you have to keep him in the pocket, I think, and make him throw the ball because I think UCF did. I actually think that's one of the strengths UCF did the other night was they kept Malik when they kept Malik Cunningham in the pocket and forced him to throw. Wasn't all that impressed, and that told you that the coverage was really good downfield. So I thought, if I had, there's my one takeaway from the game, whatever. So I think they have to do that against and Cozy Perry as well. Uh, the thing with FAU is, you know, very balanced and very good at running the football. Very, very good at running the football. Advanced when you look at the country and the numbers, and the guy to watch there um, is Larry McMahon, who 303 yards, I think, through the first three games. So. You know, he's the bell cow there, and they're going to have to account for them. But I still think that is the strength of the UCF defense is probably that front seven. Uh, I thought they were pretty good for the most part against Louisville. Jeremiah John Baptiste, again, I thought was fantastic all over the field there and really stepping into that linebacker one role. So, yeah, it, but it's going to be a big test, I think, and especially at home. You know, I've been in that stadium before, and it's not the most electric uh, atmosphere by any means. But you got an in division, you got an in-state not rival, but an in-state opponent coming in. I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty more livelier than usual. So UCF's going to have to account for that. Uh, and you said trap game. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth. This is a quintessential trap game for UCF, and one that I think when we did our schedule predictions, we said, okay, they're going to beat FAU. I don't think we're doing that today. I don't no. think we're doing that today. I do think it is like I. We'll get into our predictions after this. We're going over just the game in general and how UCF can pick up a win. But, you know, again, we are the better team. It's after a loss. Hungry Dog runs faster. I think UCF's going to want to get back on the right track. But this is not an easy team. This is the best offense that we have faced this year. And they've proven it. They've shown it in their opponents. They've put up, what, 43, 38, and 42. So you know, like... This is a big test for our defense. Now, their defense, I mean, they're ranked 57th in total defense, and they haven't played anybody, but it's a good test for our offense. But defensively, you took, you said it, Jeremiah John Baptiste, and the entire defense. I mean, they've played outstanding. And again, this will be a good test to go up against an offense like this. You were talking about the running game. I'm talking about the passing game. What is so interesting about FAU is it just seems like there's not a clear-cut number one guy that you're like, oh. If I had to say, probably Jaquan Burton, maybe. It's either Jaquan Burton or Lejonte Webster. One of those two guys. They both, and then Grant DuBose, 
he was the wide receiver number one in their first win. So you've got three wide receivers all around. They've got talent on the outside. They've got talent in the slot. They've got great skill position players. Ultimately, it's going to come down to how good is this defense? And I think this is a good test. I mean, they proved it last week against Louisville. But again, they made a great adjustment early in the game because Malik Cunningham went down the field and scored a touchdown the first drive. After that, Nick, he wasn't doing much. I mean, the defense kind of held him in check, like you said. So, I think it is a good test. Offensively, though, let's talk offense, okay? We were both pretty critical. And I think a lot of UCF fans, we were all critical. We said this is not UCF standard. This is not good. What do you need out of John Rice? Like, this week, mentally moving forward to another game, having that that loss happen, and knowing you still had a chance to win the game. What do you need to see out of John Rice this week specifically? Because, listen, you've got Georgia Tech coming up. You've got Cincy coming up. Can this UCF offense get back on track, hopefully with Kobe Hudson and O'Keefe playing? Well, here's the thing. This is a tell, and I'm this kind of matters because the FAU defense is what I wanted to go into here, and this relates to John Rice because – their defense is a tale of two defenses, totally opposite end of the spectrum. They're one of the top 20 teams in the country at stopping the run. Very stingy against the run, leaky against the pass. I think they're 91st in NCAA Division One against the pass. So that would tell you right there, if UCF's going to win this game, you got to do it through the air. So that is a challenge for John Rice Plumley. And again... What was he, 16 for 34 or 14 for 30? It was something like that. 16 and 34. Against, yeah, yeah, 16 to 34. You know, you do like, you're just not going to win football games that way. And if you're going up against a team like this that was, that's been really leaky against the pass through three games against three opponents who, you know, don't really impress me much in all respects to them, you know, you got to get your spill, you got to get your skill positions the ball. If your Gus mounts on and you're worried about the offensive line, Get the ball out quick. Get get your get your guys with speed and space. That's why I bring up Johnny Richardson. I mean, let's just get just give him the ball and let let the guy run. Let him make yeah. moves in the open area. So I think that's what John Rice needs to do. I talked a lot about last week when I was on. You know, Kamori Gamble being a big focal point of the offense, and he was non-existent in the last game. There was not really an effort to get him the ball, and maybe you could say Louisville took him away. I think I want to see him involved in this game as well. Take advantage of that of that defense that is not very good in the back end. And so I think that all falls on John Rice Plumley. And listen, I think what were the questions that were being asked to Gus Malzahn and Chip Lindsay after? There were a lot of questions about, hey, did you ever think about taking out John Rice? John Rice heard that. He knows that it, Mikey Keene's, you know, nipping at his heels there. And Mikey Keene, we, we, I feel like we have confirmed he is the number two, by the way. It's not Castellanos. It is Mikey Keene. Oh, yeah, Keen. no. Mikey, yeah, they so, don't really use a, a, a game on him. That's yeah, so yeah. I think Mikey Keene is right there. So John Rice has to know that he can't lay another dud. And I think that may help him in this game. But again, we, we just need to see massive improvement because all of our worries that we had in the offseason, they came true the other night. And remember what I said, and that's what was more frustrating, was I said my biggest fear about John Rice, this was my biggest fear, was you're going to get too comfortable with the run. And then when the run's not working, the passing game's non-existent. That was my biggest fear, and that showed last week. Yeah, because the passing game was non-existent. We kept trying the run. Run wasn't working very well. We got in all these third and fours, third and twos, third and threes, third and sixes. 
And what do you do? Like the pass isn't working. You throw laterally. So yeah, I think let's go into our prediction wise. Like we're not like we'll predict the game, but I think we kind of hit on a couple of the prediction prediction aspects. I think we think Johnny Richardson is going to get a ton more touches against FAU. I think that is obvious. Not saying Isaiah Bowser won't run the ball a lot. It's just I think Gus and the offense need to see, okay, what is going to win us these games against the SMUs, against the Cincy's? It's going to be dynamic playmakers that are going to get you you know, down the field and guys that can go out of the backfield and get you some yards. Not saying Isaiah Bowser can't, but like we said, that offensive line right now is the problem. Like they're not creating holes for Bowser to, you know, and not saying Isaiah Bowser didn't have good runs, but see more Johnny Richardson. I think this, like we said, I think this is a passing game. I think Gus is going to say, okay, let's see. Let's see if we can make some throws. Let's see if we can pass this ball. Here's the thing, though, where he might push back a little bit, is FAU, believe it or not, they are third in the country in sacks. Third in the country in sacks is FAU. So they know, how to, they know a thing or two about getting to the, cor- to the quarterback. Uh, interesting enough, their, their sack leader is a cornerback, of all things, which you mm. don't see often, so which is pretty unique there. So blitzing a lot. Jaden Williams, I believe, is his name. Um, but... So that's that's kind of the problem there. It's like I, I want John Rice to take advantage of a leaky defense in the back end, but then again, they know how to get to the quarterback. And this offensive line right now, I mean, Swoboda specifically, I'm looking at you at right tackle, you big behemoth. I, I need better – I understand he's got to develop, but at the moment – uh, a bro, big he's a liability. Senior. He's a senior. What do you mean develop? He's well, like, maybe that's the problem. He hasn't developed enough because he, oh, he's geez. been a liability. It just they they have what they have. They have what they have. They have to yeah. roll with it. But I mean that again. That goes back to the pressures on the that pressures on the offensive line. At this point, I can vouch for Mikey Keene all I want. Everybody can. I don't even think Mikey Keene would. He'd do better, I think, than John Rice Plumley. But then again, because of the fact that he can't move like John Rice Plumley. I don't really know because the I offensive line a, can't hold up. That's the thing. Like, we could say we want Mikey all we want, and let's get 100% some straight. We were talking praises of John Rice, and that's why we can't, you can't renege on a guy after two weeks. I mean, and I don't think any UCF fan is. It's very evident the way this UCF offense has to run. Yeah, quarterback's going to need to get out of the pocket right now, especially with that offensive line. Not saying the offensive line can't get better and can't improve and can't figure it out. Usually with offensive lines, you can figure it out pretty quickly if you're, you know, okay, the scheme, situation, coaching, all that stuff. I think you could figure that out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. It's just when are you going to figure it out? Like, that's the scary part because you got Georgia Tech in – Two weeks. I mean, a week from Saturday. There's not a lot of time. Like, again, two weeks ago, we would say, oh, UCF blows out Georgia Tech. I'm sorry. I don't. I think that is a much closer game. None so, of these games are going to be easy anymore. None no. The, it's going to be a hard. And until this offense, like, it, again, for UCF fans, are like, oh, my, like, you just keep crapping on the offense. No. Like, but, this offense here, can improve. Can I make an argument, though? And this is, I don't know if I'm being critical on Gus here, but... Wasn't this his M.O. at Auburn? Always had the defense to compete. The offense, for whatever his reputation has been, has always laxed, man. 
It always has. I mean, I need maybe I think I need a little bit more of a a sample size maybe to go off of. But I'm just throwing out there for food for thought. Because it looks like all of a sudden the UCF defense has been fixed for the most part in yeah. two years. And the offense last year scuffled, and now this year it's scuffling already. So, again, food for thought. Yeah, here's the thing, okay? They scored 56 in the first game. Yeah, so, I, mean, I hope so. <laughs> but, but, that's, but that's the thing, right? Like, I don't want to sit here. Like, Gus has done a lot for the program. He's recruiting like crazy. Oh, hell yeah. I think he, he can improve, obviously. I think anybody can. I think he would be the first, again— same thing with John Rice saying I pro- he would be the first one to say that he can improve. I think Gus will say, listen, my play calling needs improvement. The lateral play calling on every single you know play is ridiculous. I know you have speedy wideouts, and I know you want to get the ball in space, and you want to like use your wideouts that way. you got to get them down the field. you got to go into the middle of the field. We don't go to the middle of the field at all. So I understand where you're coming from, but I think let's not think about that until – after Cincy, Let's yeah, get to I want I, I want a more sample size for sure, but I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. No, and it's it's a it's a, a food for thought after six seven weeks. But FAU wise, yes, the sacks scare me especially. Like I think we we both agree. Like because of the offensive line, yeah, the sacks you know getting in third and thirteens are not what this offense needs. But with that being said, again, I'm thinking weeks ahead. I don't want to have a game where we run 50 times and blow out FAU, and then we go to Georgia Tech and we can't throw the ball because the play calling is so minimalized because we haven't run the plays. That's kind of why I'm like trial by fire. You get him hit. Get like you. You're gonna have to figure it out. What happens when a guy's running up the middle trying to take your head off? Then get out of the pocket. What happens when you have a clean pocket? Okay, sit in there and make some throws. Let's see this trial by fire. FAU's a solid football team. Let's see it. Like, let's see what we've got. Let's see what the situation is. And then go into Georgia Tech with a little bit more of an understanding of how is this offense improved from a week? And what can John Rice do with the football that maybe we're not seeing when it comes to being accurate with the football and, you know, for lack of a better, you know, terminology, not throw interceptions and make stupid plays uh, where you're giving up the football. So that's kind of it. I mean, again, we don't want to be too negative, but you have to, like, until we see it, I mean, that's the problem. You've got a couple more weeks until you get into conference play. UCF has two weeks. And this is the thing. I'm not wanting a loss. And I'm not saying we're going to lose. But, it, and again, do not hate me for this. I'm saying if we lose the next two weeks, I'd be more okay than if you lose in conference play. It's like figure it out now. If you're going to get your losses, get them now. Yeah. Don't get them at the end of the year against a Temple or against USF. You can't get those losses then. I don't think that's possible at the moment. <laughs> no, it's not. But get your losses now. If it's just Louisville, then get that one out of the way and figure it out. So I'm going to predict it's a UCF dub. I think players are probably pissed off about all everybody basically writing them off. Because And listen, we all have done it. I said, like, this offense is atrocious. Team's not that good. But we can improve. I say it's a UCF dub. I think they, they blow them out. I think... 
I think it's a blowout by at least three touchdowns. That's my thought process. I think they want a vengeance. And if it's not, and I'm not saying it's not, it's if they win by seven or ten, it's not a good thing. But I think we'll have serious conversations that night about, okay, is this just what this offense is at this point? I think you really need to make fun of FAU if you want to kind of understand what kind of team you have. Because Gus even said it. The week one to week two jump shows you what kind of team you have. Well, guess what? You lost in week two. So that week two to week three is how do you bounce back from that and how are you going to respond after losing at home, a place that you were 30-2 and the last however many years, and you lost to a Louisville team. Go into FAU. You're going to have fans in Boca. It's not going to be a complete FAU home game. You're going to have a lot of UCF visitors. I say final score. See, I don't even know now. Um, 38-14. I hope, you're, I hope you're bold enough to cash that ticket in, my friend. Really See, here's the thing. Are. Where do I? Where would I go cash it? Do I have to drive? Can you cash it for me in Tampa? If no. I sent you like a hundred, can you cash it for me? No. Oh, no. dude. See, that's not nice, though. No, you're on your own. You're on your own. <sighs> See, here's although the thing. You, I was in. Although you, you need to make a trip to Tampa because I just made one to Orlando, which, you know, again, I understand UCF's in Orlando, but. Well, you said like, you would house. I don't like me. going there. You said huh? you would house me. You said you I would did house say me. I would house you, and I am a brand new homeowner, in fact, as well. So. I know. So, like, I'm holding you to that because I'm not trying to go stay at you a see, hotel. But you, you see, but you came here like a few months ago, and you went to St. Pete, which is just an that awful, was like last year. That was an last awful. It's an awful decision. I don't think uh, so. Saint nobody Pete's goes a great to St. Pete. Nobody Saint, goes to St. Pete. Uh, I mean, awful decision. But anyway, I digress. Get back to my game pick here. Yeah. UCF also, the wins. spread is nine points. Nine yeah, I know. Points. That it's coming down. It's coming down. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm not bold enough to pick an FAU victory, even though I think this game presents a lot of challenges for UCF. Uh, I'm going to go 28-23. to 23. I think until further notice, these games where maybe it's a little bit more evenly matched, a true road game here against an out-of-conference opponent, and given how crazy college football has been in the yeah. first two weeks of the season where anything can happen, I'm not going to pick a shootout. I'm going to pick an economical score. So 28-23 UCF because I believe in the defense. I know yeah. they're going to give up a lot of yards probably, but they bend, not break, and they get out of here somehow with a victory. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm more so just hoping it's – a 38 to 14 type of game because if it is then I will come on the pod and be happy and be like okay we kind of figured out some things still need some things to clean up but I feel more confident if it's a 28 23 game going into Georgia Tech I think I will be not very excited I probably won't be co- I won't be as confident but you know I th- I just think that's where they are at the moment no this and is I, not going to be a, a quick process here it's a two-game, and here's the thing, and this is what made me feel better. Seeing Texas A&M lose, seeing Notre Dame lose, seeing those schools lose to the lower-tier teams that everybody will would say, oh, they'd blow them out, made me feel just a little bit better. Now, granted, again, these teams lose, and then they're still in the top 25 because that's what it is. I'm not saying UCF deserved to be. No, I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying... <laughs> The naming brands 
it, it's a rigged pro it's rigged it's a rigged process to where if you have a name you're gonna be fine if you don't have a name you make one error you're gone you're donezo florida jumps to 12th they lose to kentucky they drop six spots it's absolutely absurd if anybody still thinks florida's the number 18 team in the country then whatever I'd say like they're 24th, but still, I digress. Anthony Richardson is not it, but we're not a Florida podcast. We're not getting into that. USF's going to get killed by Florida this week, so at least there's a small chance of a UCF victory if UCF doesn't play good. I might go, I might go over there. I might scout the Bulls. I don't know what there is to scout. I think, isn't it in Gainesville? It's not. It's in, in Gainesville, and if you, you have, have you been to Gainesville? I, it's an hour and a half, two hours from me. It's not bad. Uh, Gainesville's a better from city Tampa? than Orlando, anyway. It's two hours um, from Orlando, so how's it two hours from Tampa? Because it is. Oh, and, and if you haven't cool. been to a watch a game in the swamp, one of the best atmospheres. One of I the have. best atmospheres. Now, it'd probably be a little dead for a USF game, so who knows. But game will be over in the first how, – how many first minutes? Two? That's two straight Ugh. games. Is it now two straight games that USF has thrown a pick on the first play? When does that happen? Can we look up? Can you look up that stat? Let what me just say. First? Let me just say my my growing optimism for USF from the first pod, if you recall, I'm out. Out. <laughs> I'm out. I was wrong. Yeah. It's See, a brutal. We, that, they're I'm brutal. Glad talking watch. about that, Howard. USF fans are happy that you. No, they're not. Howard by they're not. Points. They're not. They're not. I promise I, every, you. I, got the I looked on Twitter, Nick. I looked on Twitter, and it is. Oh, we're back on track. I saw it. I well, saw those it are all the neck. Those, those are all the neckbeards. Don't worry about them. Okay, because uh, I was just about to say, I'm like, if you were no, happy no, about I, I have beating the power by 20. No, every USF fan has already thrown in the. T- they're waving the white towel. They're out on Jeff Scott. You got former players going off on the program. It's bad. I promise you, no USF fan was happy. That has a that has a brain right here. No How many USF more fan games? How many more games for Jeff Scott? Five? I don't know if they're going to fire him. I don't think they're going to fire him, no. They extended him for the season. They need continuity. Uh, He's tied to the hip of Michael Kelly, the AD. I don't think it's happening. But if you're a UCF fan, I guess that's great news. Yeah, continuity is only good when you actually have somebody good. Hey, hey, Scott Frost is available. I saw some people floating that out there. Oh, that'd be so fun. (laughs) Go get Scott Frost. Scott Frost. I bet he would turn that program around. I'd, I Scott Frost, I don't think, would get hired by any college. Mm. Well, well, why not? Why not? Because I think every college program would be scared to hire him after all the negativity that Nebraska brought. I'll say this, though. I bet if USF came calling, he would turn them down. Really? Yeah. I think that's just my personal thought process. I might be wrong on that, but I don't think he would do that. He said, "If he he said before he got hired to Nebraska, he said Nebraska is my first home, UCF was my second home. If yeah, I don't well, make it at Nebraska, I would well, have lost here, my first home. Here's the thing, though. And my second home. Here's the thing, though. Money talks, and if Scott Frost is on your television set in two weeks breaking down the game instead of coaching the game, like Dan Mullen's doing, and someone wants to throw gaudy money at him, he's going." He's going. He just got. He just got fifteen million to to dip. What do you he mean? He wants I to bet. coach. He's young. He wants to coach. I'm not saying. I'm saying he might go take an NFL job. 
be like a QB coach or a no 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 off. I, I'm just telling you. Listen, I don't think USF's got a lot of problems. I don't think I think Scott Frost would wait. I think he'd rather be an offensive coordinator at a you know offensive analyst. How about he go to Alabama? He can be on like he could be one of their fifteen thousand analysts that I don't think Saban after. would hire him. He has Jim McElwain and Todd Grantham on his staff. Yeah, but it's just I mean. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I guess, true. Yeah, USF's in shambles, but what's new? That's the last five years for you. All right, UCF fans. See, we ended on a positive note. We got to talk about USF sucking. That's fun. And you broke my USF homerism, if you want to call it that. Yeah, no more homerism. Um, But, all right. uh, See you guys uh, Sunday. We'll be posting Sunday after the FAU game. We're going to be recording late. Um... But yes, you got. Thank you for tuning in to Charge On. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials. Subscribe. Do all that stuff. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you on Sunday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.